Welcome to the Full Dig Podcast. Today we will continue discussing the sermon series, Promises from the Upper Room. Today we have the promise of answered prayer. Jesus gives his followers the incredible promise that he will do whatever we ask in his name. Join pastors Kirk Sexton and Bruce Johnson as they discuss the nature of prayer and what it means to have the effective power of a sovereign God placed in the hands of believers who exercise it through prayer offered in the name of the Son. Welcome to the Full Dig Podcast. I'm Pastor Kirk Sexton, and with me is my good friend and colleague, Pastor Bruce Johnson. It's good to be with you, Kirk. Kirk, you're looking resplendent today. Well, I'm I'm on the mend. I'm. You can probably hear my voice. I'm not feeling 100%, but I, I think I'm on the mend. You, you may not feel good, but you look good, Kirk. Yeah. So there's always that. That's, uh, well... I'll take that. Yes, and we are, we are recording this on the Ides of March. Yes, I, I'm not familiar with that. Ides of March. This is from uh, the story of Julius Caesar. He was told to beware the Ides of March, which mm. is March 15th, and yeah. that's the day he was assassinated. He so, didn't heed the warning. He did not heed the warning. But we'll try to heed the warning of Holy Scripture today. He should have just stayed in bed that day. Yes, he should have. He should have. But we are bright and uh, at the recording studio, the but podcast recording studio talking about John 14, the uh, upper room discourses where Jesus begins talking about prayer. And he does this in a a strange way, at least a perplexing way. He Mm -hmm. says, ask in my name and and it will be done. Mm -hmm. And you think, sounds good. Sounds great. Yes. But gosh, I've asked for things in Jesus name and they haven't happened. So what went wrong? Do you think there's a ceiling on your prayers? or I don't know. It's, it's a little confusing, so we'll try to bring clarity, clarity to that. And Pastor Steve, I think, did a good job. Um, and it's not about uh, whether we are praying hard enough or intense enough or praying enough times about the same thing, but really trying to um, get our thoughts and lives and hearts and minds and imaginations all in line with those of the Lord. Right. And I thought um, Steve did a great job. I think that's everyone's experience. We've we've prayed for things, and we haven't received what we've wanted. And and sometimes we live long enough to realize, boy, that was a good thing. God did not give me what exactly, I wanted because right? I asked for something stupid. Right. <laughs> yeah. The Lord answers our prayers with yes, no, and wait. Yes. And uh, there's this country western song about... Uh, you know, thank God he didn't answer my prayer, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, I'm familiar with that one. It's a yeah. great one. Yeah. Well, he looked at um, John 14, 12 through 14. Just those three verses. Right. And he was going to have um, verse 15, 7 and included, but he chose not to. So we'll read um, all four verses, the three verses he preached on, and then that uh, additional verse from the next chapter. All right, well, I'll begin reading with that text. This is the New Revised Standard Version, John 14, 12 through 14. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me, For anything, I will do it. 
That sounds very encouraging. That's what I always thought. I thought this was a very encouraging thing for us who are on the other side of the resurrection, um, you know, far removed from the disciples. I mean, I always felt that was very encouraging that 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 we would be able to do greater works uh, because uh, he was going to the Father. So sometimes you hear, does Jesus mean that we're just going to do more works? Is that what's going on here? But that's not what he says. It's not more works, but greater works. Right. And um, when you think, well, what is the greater work that we will do or the greater works that we will do? And that, of course, is the great task that we've been given as a, a worldwide church mm-hmm. to make disciples of all nations that is the greater work yeah and uh, every time that we are able to make new disciples um that's a great work something mm-hmm. that pleases god and we are excited about that when we hear about people coming to faith whether that is young people or uh, young adults or people uh, at other points in their lives it's uh, a great opportunity for us to rejoice and thank God that uh, we're involved in that great work that Christ gave us, make disciples. And this is the scripture that he decided not to preach on, but... Um, that Steve decided not to preach on, yes. but he was thinking about that verse. Yes. yes. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. Kind of more of the same thing saying uh, the part of this is the abiding Yes, uh, it's really clarifying a little bit. Praying in Jesus' names mean abiding in him. Mm-hmm. So to understand what a little bit more about what it means to abide in Jesus and to pray in his name, we want to look at some other New Testament books that talk about prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to look at First John and then at the book of James. Now, Kirk, you and I were talking about how some Bible commentators, some Bible scholars regard the book of 1 John, as almost a commentary on the Gospel of John, because there's a lot of confusing things that you can find in the Gospel of John. In fact, the Gospel of John uses irony a lot, where mm-hmm. uh, people can't understand what Jesus is saying, but it's written in such a way that we who believe in him, oh, we get what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, example is uh, the, the talk Jesus has, a nighttime talk with Nicodemus, what does it mean to be born again? And the Greek can either be born again or born from above. Nicodemus doesn't get it at all, but we read it and we say, oh, I know what Jesus is talking about. Right. And so here in 1 John, we get more of the, oh, we want you to know what Jesus is talking about, even if it sounds confusing at first read. Hmm. So uh, three different ch- uh, chapters we'll draw from in 1 John, beginning with uh, 1 John chapter 5. This is verses 14 through 17. And this is the boldness we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have obtained the request made of him. If you see your brother or sister committing what is not a deadly sin, you will ask and God will give life to such a one, to those whose sin is not deadly. There is a sin that is deadly. I do not say that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is a sin that is not deadly. Mm-hmm. So uh, that helps us a little. It also adds a little bit more confusion on another topic. What is a deadly sin? <laughs> right, yeah. right. But let's, let's first talk about uh, the, the clarity that brings to what Jesus is saying about how we are to pray in his name. It says very clearly in, in verse 14 of John chapter 5, 
if we ask anything according to his will. Yeah. So abiding in Jesus, asking in his name means, means asking according to his will. Right. Rather than my own will. I want to ask in, 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 in Jesus' name the sense of whatever Jesus wants. If what I think in my head is what he wants, Lord, do that. Because I want to do what Jesus wants to do. And I want to be done in the world what Jesus wants to be done in the world. Well, and Pastor Steve, I thought, did a good job of clarifying that for us, too, on his sermon, mentioning when we pray in his name, it's not just tagging in Jesus' name at the end of our prayer, but to understand that the name means so much more than just the name, that it's his character and it's his will, it's his uh, his way of living well, you know, I, I see social media posts that says, if you share this and share this hashtag, then, then God will answer your prayer, you know, hashtag in Jesus' name. That, yeah, you need to get off that chosen, um, hashtag chosen uh, thread. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. Prayer does not work that way. I wish it did. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, but again, God is smarter than, than you or I. Right. Yeah, so... Well, uh, that, and, that, and, that is good clarification, though. I mean, I, I just, uh, I thought he did a great job of, uh, for people who, you know, who are lay people who are maybe listening to this podcast and also, you know, in our pews, uh, prayer is uh, somewhat, for many of us, uh, a mystery. Yes, and sometimes even if we have seminary degrees, it's still a mystery sometimes mm-hmm. trying to figure out, God, what are you saying to me now and what's mm-hmm. going on and how do I make sense of that? Well, the second verse... Uh, oh, wait the, a minute. Before we oh, do that, Kirk, we should... Uh, are you going to talk, talk about the deadly sin? Well, the deadly sin, yeah. Oh. The deadly sin means a, a sin that you commit, and then you say, well, I'm not going to say I'm sorry for that. I just, I'm glad I did that, whatever oh, it was. You know, okay. that's, that's when it becomes deadly, because it's not one that we want to recover from. It's not one that we're repenting of. Yeah, if if you think about a sin that bothers you, you wonder if you've committed the impardonable sin. The fact that you're worrying about it proves that you have not committed the impardonable sin because you're you yeah. want to make reconciliation. Yeah, you want to get right with God. You're grieving that sin. Yeah. So here in First uh, John chapter five, it is if you see somebody that's sinning, well, you know, pray for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, what if they turn away from God completely? Well, you know, not much you can do. Right. But since you don't know if they've turned away from God completely, yeah. pray for them. Right. Yeah. And then uh, the second reference you have here is from 1 John two twenty eight. He says, And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he is revealed, we may have confidence and not be put to shame before him at his coming. So there's a verse that talks a little bit more about what does it mean to abide in Christ. Well, one of the results is that we have confidence. When Christ appears again, we'll have confidence. Mm-hmm. We won't be in terror. Oh, my gosh, Jesus has come. What, 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 I, I've done things that are wrong. Mm. That won't be our thought. Our thought will be, thank goodness he's mm-hmm. here. Right. We've longed for this day. Definitely. Yeah. And that talks about a change of heart. You know, do I really long for Jesus? Do I really long for his will to be done mm. rather than my will? Am I in that frame of mind? Right. Yeah. And then we have a, a third uh, set of verses from 1 John. This is, comes from 1 John chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. And this is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, 
and love one another, just as he has commanded us. All who obey his commandments abide in him, and he abides in them. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit he has given us. So again, a little bit more about what it means to abide in Christ. It means that we obey his commandments. It also means that the Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit, that's uh, evidence that we're abiding in Christ. That the, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of, of God Almighty, mm-hmm. lives in us. That's great. And we've got, as um, there's many places we could go to Scripture to talk about prayer. Yeah, the whole book of Psalms are different songs that are prayers to God. Right. Yeah. But we, um, we're going to also look at James, and this is uh, James 1, 5 through 8. He says, If any of you is lacking in wisdom, ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to you. But ask in faith, never doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For the doubter, being double-minded and unstable in every way, must not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So James here talks about something that is in the will of God, and that's for us to have more wisdom, to grow wiser uh, as we go through life and as we go through following God. God wants us to grow in our wisdom and understanding. So we should ask God for that. Yes, and you should ask in faith, meaning, I think, that you should ask with confidence. And this is a very reform, a very Presbyterian way to talk about how we study Scripture, for instance. We, we say, we believe that as we study Scripture, the Holy Spirit is guiding us so that we can understand more, so we can grow in wisdom. And here, James adds, now, believe that this is going to happen. Don't, mm-hmm. don't be wishy-washy about that. Right, you know, right. You're asking for something that God wants in your life. God wants you to grow as a disciple. God wants you to uh, grow in your understanding of Scripture. So you pray about that and we'll believe that God is going to answer that. Don't be like a wave that's uh, tossed by uh, the wind, you mm-hmm. know, choppy water. Don't, don't be choppy water. Yeah. Um, don't be a doubter. Don't be double-minded expect that God will answer those things that you ask that are in God's will, and you already know they're in God's will. Mm. So imagine the power of that if we apply that to um, people we know. What does God want in um, the life of our kids? What does God want in the life of our grandchildren? What does God want in the life of our neighbors? Well, we already have some idea about that. Mm -hmm. We should be praying about those things. Well, let me throw a little curveball at you, Bruce, because okay. I'm wondering, what do you think of this idea of the name it and claim it kind of prayer? Well, that's thinking of Jesus as a genie. Mm. You know, I've rubbed the magic lamp. I've said al or whatever the word is. And so obviously it's going to be done. Mm. No, that is it's not. A, it's a little beyond confidence. It's um it's a hashtag in Jesus name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not how it works. Right. Oh. Well, and um, chapter James chapter 4, uh, verse 2, the second half of 2 and 3 says, You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your pleasures. Yes, obviously there's some things that we, we can pray, and, and maybe we shouldn't expect that God will ask uh, or grant those prayers. You can say, 
gosh, uh, Lord, I want a million dollars. Well, fine, but <laughs> that doesn't mean that's going to happen. Right. Or uh, I want to uh, win the next relay race in the Great Mountain View Family Camp relay race run. Well, you can pray about that, but <laughs> are you right. praying because because you, you want to embarrass the other runners in that sack race? Or yeah, it's about your motivations yeah. of your prayers. I mean, if it's praying to be just blessed with riches for your own sake, maybe that's not a good prayer. Yeah. Now there are prayer prayers that we lift up, you know, especially for people that we care about who are sick. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we certainly pray for, for that. And God often answers our prayers. Often people get better. Sometimes they don't. Right. And, and, and that's really tough. You think, aren't I praying in God's will? But again, we, we trust in those times. At least on my better days, I trust in those times that God has another plan that I don't know everything that may be involved. Uh, sometimes uh, if somebody gets better, I'll face worse things that are hard or difficult. So there's a mystery to that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, you want to read this last verse you have for uh, James? Yeah, this is a clump of verses from James chapter 5, verses 13 through 18. Are any among you suffering? They should pray. Are any cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up, and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human like us, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth yielded its harvest. Hmm. So, um, great encouragement. Keep on praying, praying in all sorts of circumstances. If you're sick, get other Christians praying for you. And remember, we have examples in the Bible of people praying and God answering them in mighty ways like Elijah. So there's a mystery to it. Do we always get what we ask for? No. Should we ask in Jesus' name? Yes. Should we try to understand more and more what that means to ask in Jesus' name, to abide in him, to obey his commandments, to ask according to his will? Yes, all those things. Mm -hmm. Well, each week we have an archaeology feature And this week, uh, we're going to be looking at the Garden of Gethsemane. Yes, the Garden of Gethsemane. So if you have um, maybe somewhere in your house a Bible that has pictures of the Holy Land in it, one of the pictures probably there is of the Garden of Gethsemane. Mm -hmm. And you'll see a picture there of the Church of All Nations. This is a church uh, that was uh, commissioned uh, as a new building in uh, 1920 or thereabouts by an Italian architect who's it's several designs for different uh, churches of pilgrimage in the Holy Land. And this Church of All Nations is uh, built on the foundations of earlier structures before that. 
Uh, and attached to the church is this ancient olive grove, uh, olive trees that are estimated to be about a thousand years old, so very old olive trees. And they may be olive trees that descended from uh, olive trees that were there in the time of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So to get a sense of where that may be, we can look at scriptures uh, from the Gospel of John and also from the Gospel of Mark. So I'll read the short verse from the Gospel of John. And Kirk, you've got the burden of reading a longer passage okay. from the Gospel of Mark. Very good. So in John chapter 18, verse 1, it says, When he had finished praying, this is Jesus finishing his great high priestly prayer in John chapter 17. Mm-hmm. After Jesus had finished that prayer in the upper room, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was a garden, and he and his disciples went into it. So if they're crossing the Jordan Valley to get to the garden, we think they're on the western hill, so they're going towards the east. Mm-hmm. Once you go down to the Jordan Valley and you come up on the other side, you've left Jerusalem proper, and you're going on the Mount of Olives, and there's some garden there. Mm. So that's how John describes it. Mark describes it in uh, slightly different ways and gives more detail. Do you want to read that part? Sure. This is Mark 14, verses 32 through 36. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. I think this is important for us to remember. Jesus in the upper room discourse, he's talking about answers to prayer, pray in Jesus' name, you'll get what you ask. And here we have on that same night, Jesus mm-hmm. is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he doesn't get what he asks for. Right, the cup doesn't pass from him. So it's there's this mystery about asking. What does it really mean to ask in God's name? It's not that uh, God's will be done, It's or it's not that our will be done, it's that God's will be done. Right, right. Now the word Gethsemane uh, is uh, from an Aramaic phrase, God Smani, which means olive press. So that's why we think of the Garden of Gethsemane, we think of olive trees. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there was an olive press there. It makes sense that there'd be olives nearby. Uh, there was uh, a fire just a couple years ago in the Church of All Nations, the, the church that is uh, where we think all this took place. And because of that, they were able to do some archaeological uh, work there. And they found in that uh, uh, old church, uh, or new, uh, newer church that's been built on the foundations of a couple older churches, they found a, a mikvah, ritual bath, from the time of Jesus. Mm. So it really connected that, yes, there are people that were doing things in that same area uh, in Jesus' day. Uh, they were able to make uh, more sp- specific determinations on the age of the older churches that are, are there. There was a church that was there in the 4th century, a 4th century basilica. That was destroyed by an earthquake in uh, 746 A.D., it was rebuilt by the Crusaders in the 12th century and then abandoned in the 14th century. So uh, a lot a lot is going on there. 
But Kirk, have you ever seen a picture of Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane where his hands are clasped and he's praying against a rock? Yes, I have. So that rock is not just an invented rock of the painter. That's the actual rock that uh, is the place that was surrounded first by Byzantine Church and the Crusader Church and then this, uh, what stands today, this 20th century a church that's really beautiful inside. You go inside and you look up at the ceiling and it's all designed so it's like nighttime, even when it's daylight. Mm. You see uh, stars in the mosaic tiles and in the ceiling. It's just really beautiful, really powerful. Uh, So, uh, Have they rebuilt this church of the nations? Yeah, uh, it was just... uh, had some damage, but uh, the damage was uh, cleaned up. But when you have a something like that happen, that's a good opportunity to say, well, we've never been able to do the archaeological digs here. Mm. <clears throat> Let's do that while the repairs are being done. So this rock, is is that something you can see if you visit this You church? can see the rock. Now, um, tourists through the years chipped off different pieces of the rock, oh. and then uh, I think part of the rock was given to somebody that helped... Uh, give the money to build the church and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it, it doesn't exactly match the shape you see in the paintings, but okay. you can see enough of the outlines like, oh yeah, that is the rock, isn't it? It looks like little bits are missing here and there, but yep, that's the rock. Mm-hmm. So uh, pretty interesting. Well, that'd be neat to see. Well, each week, uh, in addition to our feature on archaeology, we also look at our eco-professional standards. And you have something from the Heidelberg Catechism today. As a matter of fact, I do, yeah. Um, Part of the Heidelberg Catechism explains different parts of the Lord's Prayer. That's a very common element you see in other catechisms. Mm -hmm. And so you come to the part where it says, well, what does it mean when we pray, um, give us this day our daily bread? And the answer is, Uh, This is what it means. That is, please provide for all our bodily needs so that we may recognize that you are the only source of all that is good and that without your blessing, neither our care and labor nor your gifts can do us any good. So we should stop trusting in all other creatures and trust in you alone. Mm -hmm. And that's a clue for me about what does it mean to pray and in the name of Jesus. I've got to stop trusting in my wisdom, uh, my ideas. I've really got to trust in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Just trust in the Lord. And if I'm doing that and praying, God, give me what I need, that's a good prayer. God will answer that prayer. I think of this um, this petition here as uh, very relational, too, because we're not asking for a truckload. He's asking us to come to him daily with our requests. So he wants to be in relationship with us, not like once every quarter or once every month or, you know what I mean? So we come to him each daily to ask for what we need. Yeah, and have that sense as I go through life that uh, God really is the true source of every gift I've received. Mm. That helps me be grateful, helps me live a life that's blessed because I know that God is blessing me. Even if I don't get everything that I pray for, if God answers my prayers with no or wait, God's still answering prayer. Mm-hmm. And then uh, from our eco-essential tenants, you, you have um, uh, Article 3, Section B, Election for Salvation and Service. Yeah, a great section of the essential tenants. Again, that's the 
document that all eco-pastors and elders or deacons say that we will follow this, we will uphold this. And here the emphasis is on that we're not saved just for ourselves, mm-hmm. but God has a purpose. We're, we're called to serve God and others. Mm-hmm. So it says in this section, we are not elect for our own benefit alone. God gathers his covenant community to be an instrument of his saving purpose. Through his regenerating and sanctifying work, the Holy Spirit grants us faith and enables holiness so that we may be witnesses of God's gracious presence to those who are lost. The Spirit gathers us in a community that is built up and equipped to be light, salt, and yeast in the world. Christ sends us into the world to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that Christ has commanded us. We are now in service to God's plan for the fullness of time, uniting all things in heaven and earth to himself. To this end, we preach Christ, calling all persons to repent and believe the gospel. We also care for the natural world, claim all areas of culture in the name of Jesus, serve the poor, feed the hungry, visit the prisoner, and defend the helpless. We do this work not with any thought that we are able to bring in the kingdom, but in the confident hope that God's kingdom is surely coming, a day when suffering and death will pass away, and when God will live among his people. Mm. Yeah, that's great. And um, so well written. They've done some great writing on these uh, essential tenets. Yeah. It's not a curse that I don't get everything I pray for because um, we're trying to get in line with God and God has a, this great uplifting plan and I'm part of that and you're part of that mm-hmm. and all who follow Christ are part of that. That's great. Well, a regular feature also on the Full Dig podcast is our C.S. Lewis quote. What do you have for us today? Well, since we're talking on prayer, I thought we would look a little bit at the book of C.S. Lewis that is on prayer. It's called Letters to Malcolm, chiefly on prayer. And um, this part reads, We are always completely and therefore equally known to God. That is our destiny, whether we like it or not. But though this knowledge never varies, the quality of our being known can. Ordinarily, To be known by God is to be, for this purpose, in the category of things. We are like earthworms, cabbages, and nebula, objects of divine knowledge. But when we become aware of that fact, the present fact, not the generalization, and assent with all our will to be so known, then we treat ourselves in relation to God, not as things, but as persons. We have unveiled, not that any veil could baffle his sight, The change is in us. The passive changes to the active. Instead of merely being known, we show, we tell, we offer ourselves to view. Meanwhile, we want to know not how we should pray if we were perfect, but how we should pray being as we are now. And if my idea of prayer is unveiling, or as unveiling is accepted, we have already answered this. It is no use to ask God with fictitious earnestness for A when our whole mind is, in reality, filled with the desire for B. 
we must lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. Mm. Being honest with God in prayer, in other words. Yeah, there's a lot in that little paragraph there. Yeah. Now, Kirk, you had teased up the fact that you're going to go deep into our reform heritage back to John Calvin himself. Yeah, this comes from Calvin's Institute. And in uh, book three, chapter 20, he writes a lot on prayer. So I would encourage our listeners, because this is going to be a real flyover. Um, and he has a lot to say about each of these five sort of rules for prayer. And uh, so I would encourage people to, to look that up. It's, you can search on uh, the World Wide Web and find... Calvin's Institutes. Yes. and Calvin's uh, Institutes of the Christian Religion. Right. If, you, if you just say Calvin's Institutes, you can find that. And you can read the whole thing there if you'd like. So five different aspects of prayer. What, what well, does Calvin say? Well, he called them rules. Rules of prayer. Uh, but I thought he had some good things to say about this... Um, about just prayer in general at first. He said, we need prayer because this is how God's benefits reach us. And of course, Calvin raises the question of why we should pray if God is sovereign over all things. And wouldn't that make prayer unnecessary? Right. 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 Well, Calvin responds by saying that prayer is, first of all, all has to do with us. Prayer changes us, and prayer is crucial, uh, is crucial is a crucial discipline of the Christian life. He says it's our duty. God commands us to do it, and that's good enough for Calvin. Right. But he has these um, rules, and I wanted to go into these. Uh, The first rule of prayer is to have our heart and mind framed as one becomes um, entering into a, a conversation with God. So come so, with the right sort of posture. I, I'm not just saying words out loud. I, I'm having conversation with God. Right. And, and then also having the right attitude, a certain reverence. You know, I'm really grateful for, you know, my growing up as a Catholic. I think Catholics are really good prayers. And I think we really understand the awe and reverence of God, that mm. understanding the fear of God. I think right. Catholics really get that. Just like uh, East Orthodox Christians really understand the mystery of God mm-hmm. and the enter into the mystery. Right? Yeah, so we're supposed to revere him, uh, enter into that sort of conversation with sort of a, 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 the proper, I say, pro, uh, posture. Yes. And the second thing is our, our petitions... Um, we, we should never go with our own sense of uh, sufficiency. We need to come to God with insufficiency, earnestly pondering how we need all that we seek, um, and we, we join that with God, and we ask that in prayer. So um, we ask God because we have needs. Uh, prayer is a constant reminder of our utter dependence on God and and, and then God is all sufficient for us. It's like the hymn, Standing in the Need of Prayer. Mm-hmm. We're always in need as yeah. we pray. So those are, again, kind of how to enter into prayer. Uh, the third rule, he says, that is that anyone who stands before God to pray in his humility, giving glory completely to God, abandon all thought of his own glory, cast off all notion of his own worth, and find, put away all self-assurance. Yeah. Lord, you are God, and I am not. And Pastor Steve, I thought, did a great job, you know, when he was talking about 
at the kind of the end of his sermon, he had his three points. He said, um, prayer is where we examine our needs. And in this third point, he, he talked about, well, God, you know, I did some good stuff too. We have this great choir. And right. uh, what was, oh yeah, and the rummage sale was so wonderful. Um, but we, we don't come to God with any of that. That's uh, no. none of that is really. Um, it's hard to impress God. God, right. God made the universe. Really hard to impress him. Yeah. So that's the, and then the fourth one, um, and, and I think Steve did talk about this too, is um, to come with true humility. Um, we should be encouraged to pray by a sure hope that our prayer will be answered. Um, and so the fourth rule is a, a, to pray with confident hope. We talked about that in that James text. Exactly. To pray with faith that our prayers will be answered. And so we should be encouraged that God answers prayers and and that if we're living in tune with the Spirit, abiding with Him, um, doing what He has commanded, um, we should have confidence um, that He hears our prayers and that He will answer our prayers. He may not answer them the way we want or would like at the time. He always hears. Yes. He always hears. And then uh, the fifth rule is to pray in Jesus' name. We've talked about that. Um, Jesus is our intercessor, our mediator. Uh, He's the high priest. Um, He is the one who is completing the work of redemption. Um, He stands ever to intercede before the Father at his throne. Right. Be uh, aware of that position of Jesus before God the Father and our position of Jesus as his own people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It reminds me of that Hebrew text, um, you know, to let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. From, from the book of Hebrews. Yeah, Hebrews uh, 4.16. Yeah. Right, right. Well, oh. Kirk, you know, uh, we, we've talked about prayer, right. but talking about prayer is not praying. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should end this broadcast praying. Right. Why don't you do that and and model for us all these things we've learned because uh, this should be a wonderful prayer, right? After all this. One one can hope. (laughs) Hey, let's pray. Uh, Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and for all the benefits that we have as your own children. Lord, we want to follow you faithfully we know that we make mistakes. So, Lord, forgive us for all our, our stumbles, all the ways that we've turned away from you. And because of what Jesus has already done, Lord, we, we ask for your pardon. Lord, continue to work in our lives. Lord, we want to grow in our wisdom of you and of what you think is good and right. We want our hearts aligned with uh, your will and your commandments. We pray for your spirit's strengthening and guidance as uh, we go through our day today. We pray that um, you'd be with uh, people we know who are sick, give them healing, people that uh, are happy that uh, they would give you praise and we give you praise for the blessings that we see in other people's lives and your blessings in our own lives. Lord, we pray that you would uh, grow us in faith and in our confidence of you, that you always hear us, that prayer matters. 
We thank you that this prayer matters. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you, Kirk. Thank you.